cold one, sit down, relax, kick up your feet. The day is done. hope you got all your chores and dishes because we're starting Kayak Fishing Radio. It's Thursday night. I'm Chip Gibson, and we're going to talk about kayak fishing, some tips and techniques and all that good stuff. Um, it's uh, The weather has not been the best for, for kayak fishing. Um, many of you know, follow the show, I'm based in... Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, it's been bloody cold here. I mean, like stupid cold. It was uh, four degrees two days ago. Got up this morning, it was about 18. Uh, I have my own uh, Mr. Science kit uh, do-it-yourself uh, glacier growing in my pool in the backyard, and I look forward to seeing how that's going to work out. But uh, we kind of got up a little bit better this afternoon. It was a balmy 48 uh, when I got home, but the, now that the sun has gone down, temps are diving for the deck again. So, got that. Uh, I hope uh, the better weather is showing up in some places, but uh, I don't know. Um, I don't. I think we're still in for some. In fact, we started seeing a little rain this evening, so hopefully it won't freeze again tonight. Otherwise, we'll be in for a bunch of ice in the morning. I hope the weather's better where you are. Um, got some dates coming up. Hey, check your calendars. Uh, the first one that's uh, on the way, 35 days in a wake-up. We've got uh, the Boondoggle, Cricket Creek, and uh, that's St. Mary's, Georgia. And uh, it's on the East Coast there. Lots of uh, shoreline. Uh, grass beds, oyster beds, some pretty wicked tides, but uh, if, uh, if you've ever fished on the East Coast, you know how that can be. But uh, we should we should be in for a pretty pretty good time. I'm hoping spring comes a little soon, that we, that we have pretty good weather. But that's February 14th. The weekend is President's Day weekend. And uh, folks will start arriving Wednesday, Thursday. I personally will be there by Friday and uh, or maybe Thursday night. I think that's what we're trying to shoot for. Thursday evening for a che- late check-in. And then uh, hang out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, Monday's the uh, federal holiday, so we'll take our time going home on Monday. But then a week later, we have the Adventure Fishing World Championship. February 22nd, unfortunately, uh, all the spots were sold out. Uh, I haven't seen an update yet on the website or on their Facebook page, but uh, they have sold out. Uh, the permit that they pull from the Everglades National Park only allows uh, – <laughs> hang on. Kayak fishing doesn't work for you? Negative. Why? Login and password doesn't work. Oh, no? Nope. All right. Oh, let me send it for you. No worries. Oh, yeah. it's You got the right login. This is the password. <laughs> I'm just not sharp today. I, I guess I'm tired. And uh, I keep... Uh, I, I'm just not catching on. But there, try that one and see if it works. It, uh, it's not like we're, we're swamped here this evening. I see D in the in the neighborhood there. We have our, our, my flashback this in, this afternoon. 
Kind of like Miss Marianne in Romper Room. Got the magic mirror up, and I see my friend D out there. <laughs> but uh, back to the Adventure Fishing World Championship. It's uh, February 22nd. Uh, if, uh, like I said, I haven't seen the uh, an update to the website, and I don't see anything uh, on their Facebook page. But before, they had 100 slots, and they are sold out. In fact, you can go to the website, adventurefishingworldchampionship.com, and they have a wait list that they've started. So, it's folks, uh, so first come, first serve. If you're on the wait list and a slot opens up, uh, you could get in. But uh, I know we'll see uh, Miss D down there. And did I just get kicked out? I lost D. She was there. But um, it should be a fun time. Interesting uh, concept there. It's a little different than your normal tournament. In fact, uh, it, it was, I don't know, I fished a couple of tournaments last year, but it's the only tournament I am signed up to fish this year because I just really dig the format. It's kind of cool see the uh, uh, go out, get your uh, waypoints, fish the waypoints, move on to the next one, try to get three out of five. This was last year. I think this year is going to be a little bit more difficult. Did you see the post, Greg, that uh, I'm not hearing anything. Is it only us? Can you not? I'm hearing you. you oh, you're hearing me? I'm hearing you. you're hearing me? Okay. Maybe she, uh, is it only us? Yeah. Here, can you hear your kids? <laughs> Dude, stop following me. <laughs> Florida stalking laws are very lenient compared to New York, so I'm kind of getting my feet on, getting my feet under me, seeing what's cool and what's not. So it's all good. Oh, is that it? D, did you see Mr. Becker's picture in the pro staff now? <laughs> she put the little devil symbol out there. <laughs> oh. But um anyway, so how's your week been, man? My week has been uh entertaining, let's say. Let's uh, entertaining. Let's put it that way, yeah. Right. Um Swallowed whole by minutia, which is uh, which takes an extraordinary amount of patience to wade through. But uh, as I am fond of saying, it is what it is. So it is what it is. Huh? Swallowed whole by minutia. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like being nibbled to death by ducks, only just a little different. <laughs> wow. It uh, you so. Uh, I saw that you and uh, Robert went out to uh, Cow Creek. How'd that go? Uh, it was a beautiful day for an eco tour. Uh, when we got out there, we thought uh, the tides were were good, the weather was good, uh, the water was glass calm, which uh, made an extraordinary good time for the clouds of noceums that followed us for the first hour and a half. Um, we couldn't find a fish. We couldn't find the redfish. Couldn't find the snook. Um, Typically, you know, there are always schools of ladyfish and jacks and everything, and even gar rolling on the surface down there. Nothing. Right. Not um, the only thing we saw was uh, 
one uh, one bald eagle that got very irritated when uh, he was up flying around and a, a great blue heron flew up into his tree. That did not go well. Um, he he was a little a little perturbed about that, but. Uh, yeah, we, we fished for several hours, fished the points, fished the oyster bars, fished the flats, looking for mudding fish back in the bays, and nothing. Nothing. So, uh, But it was a beautiful day uh, for a paddle, so that was it was nice to be out with, uh, out with Robert. Awesome. Not, not that awesome that you didn't catch any fish, but I wasn't there, so that doesn't bother me. Um, but, uh, so it wasn't my fault. And, uh, and it never occurred to us that it would have been. Oh, okay. But uh, nothing, huh? Wow. No, nothing. You know, I was uh, I was just doing a little map fishing, you know, because that's what I do when I'm stuck here in Atlanta when the temperature's four degrees and it's iced over outside and you can't go to work or you're just having to telework and you get a few minutes to have an extra cup of coffee in the morning and I just pull up. Google Maps or Bing Maps or whatever or my Navionics thing on my iPad and start looking looking at spots, you know. Where would I fish? And I noticed from the location there at E.G. Simmons and the times that we fished together out of there, we always kind of go out of the little canal there and then head east. Have you ever headed west? I think it's um, over towards Cockroach Bay. Yeah, if we talk, if you talk more north, I, 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 we call it more north and northeast than that. But um, yeah, you can you can turn right versus turning left. Um, usually can, turn can, right. Yeah, we normally turn right. You can certainly yeah. turn left and go uh-huh. west, south, west, southwestish, yeah, okay. um, and down towards Cockroach Bay. I've never fished that area down there. Um, I don't know how much of the flat that is. You know, I don't know how far north of Cockroach, if you launch out of there, you have to come to get into that. I've never really uh, really looked at it that way. Yeah. Uh, I know there's fish on those flats. I've been out there and caught them. Um, I just, I'm just not a big fan of, of launching out of Cockroach. Uh, no. Just because of the, uh, the challenges that you encounter there with, uh, let's just call it vehicle security and leave it at that. Ah, uh, yeah. But, uh, there's there's fish out there, no doubt. I don't, uh, you know, it doesn't look like. Uh, not like to hear about cockroach. It's Cockroach Bay. I, I read the pamphlet. It says that uh, they think it was named that way because it says most likely because the early Spaniards saw horseshoe crab. I'm like, what does that have to do with a cockroach? I thought it was the four-foot-long palmetto bugs that live everywhere down here. That's what I would be thinking, yeah. Big hissing (laughs) things, you know. They hit you in the side of the head. They leave you a bruise. Yeah. But, uh, no, I was looking at that, and it doesn't look to be that bad of a paddle. And if you're a peddler, man, it doesn't seem that bad at all, really. Um, But it's just go left, and I don't know. It's probably about the extent, you know, of what we paddled to the northeast before, you know. Right. Uh, where we kind of went up and had uh, lunch on the beach there. So, I don't know, it's probably about the same distance, but it looks like there's some pretty good, from the way the the overhead looks, it looks like a bunch of right. uh, shallow area and stuff like that, a lot of mangroves. So, yep, and the other I, place I want to fish is up uh, just south of the power plant, 
on that yeah. uh, that little flat down there on the backside of Apollo Beach. Uh, actually, I may may try to wangle a way to do that on uh, on Saturday morning. Right. So get that figured out and stuff, man. Because next time I come down, I want to want to try some different places. Yep. You guys have caught all the fish in the places you're taking me. I I don't know what it is. You know, the last time Robert <laughs> and I were out there again after that, and there, there was just nothing on that entire flat. I mean, you saw the first time you were down here, or the, the time when uh, you know on the travel rod trip. I know. Um, it, there were there were mullet from one. It looked like the flat was being shelled. Right. You know, there were there were so many mullet up and down, and this time there were nothing. And I don't know whether oh. to attribute that to the you know the time of year and the influx of mullet boats looking for looking for the uh, mullet row and they're pressuring, just, just tearing stuff up and so much pressure there, yeah. pushing the bait fish out um, or, or what the story is but it's definitely been um, underpopulated with game fish recently yeah. at least ones that have any interest in attaching themselves to my line <laughs> absolutely so yeah I was you know that's I don't know. And for folks listening to the podcast, we talk about map fishing. Just pull up the map, start looking around. And I found out, you know, if you go on to like uh, Bing Maps, they kind of interesting as you as you zoom in, you get this kind of bird's eye view where you kind of get a a little bit, not a vertical, but you get uh, kind of a low angle shot. So you can kind of you can spin the map around so you can kind of see it from different angles and stuff. It's kind of interesting to play with. But I always try to do that kind of stuff and see if I can find something interesting to fish. Some of them you can actually see some shoals and stuff like that in the water. I know uh, I was doing I was messing around one day on a trip to uh, Charleston, and as you zoomed in, you could actually one of the pictures that was in there an aerial. Uh, was of low tide, so you could just see how the mud flats became dried out, and the, you know, there were just these little areas of water left behind. So you could, it was real easy to find the deep holes, and if you got stuck out there, you would just sit in one of those holes until the tide came back in. But it was it was kind of interesting. So acres and acres of fluff mud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Um, you got an event coming up in about ten days, right? We do, actually. And, uh, Talk about very it. Much looking forward to it. Looking forward to uh, the fifth annual Tampa Bay Frogman Swim. Uh, the about five years ago, a bunch of uh, Navy SEALs and SEAL type folk got together to do a fundraiser swim across Tampa Bay for one of their own who'd been injured, uh, and uh, the event turned into uh, an annual fundraising event. This is the fifth year now. Uh, I've had the privilege of being involved uh, for the past two years supporting a swimmer in the event. I'll talk about that in a little. But now the event uh, is a fundraiser for the Navy SEAL Foundation. Uh, It's one of the top-rated foundations and 501c3 charities in the country. Uh, A tremendous percentage of money goes directly to help uh, almost 80 families, between 80 and 90 families, depending on where, uh, where they are in the year. But uh, of of seals who have been uh, injured or wounded uh, in in training or on missions or have unfortunately made uh, the ultimate sacrifice for our country uh, in their service, and uh, they really do a tremendous job. Last year the event raised uh, 
quarter of a million dollars, uh, just over $250,000 for the Navy SEAL Foundation. Uh, this year is the first year that not only our swimmers are working on fundraising, but kayaks, uh, kayakers and kayak supporters of the swimmers are also doing that. Um, my first year, I had the privilege of being teamed up with Becca Mann, who at the time was 14 years old and is an open water uh, swimming phenom. Uh, certainly, you'll be seeing her name uh, in the Olympics, uh, Summer Olympics rosters uh, for, for many years to come, I am certain. And I have no doubt we'll be seeing her on the podiums. But uh, I've been supporting Becca for the past two years. We'll be teamed up again this year and hope to uh, hope to finish well. Her first year uh, in the event, uh, the first year I supported her, she finished third. On the, and that was out of the entire event, uh, men and women's categories, third overall, first in women's. And last year she finished first in the event with a uh, just under an hour, I think it was 58 minutes and change for the 3.1 mile or 5K course across Tampa Bay. Um, that's pretty respectable doing it as a paddle, much less uh, much less swimming in open water. So uh, as I said, 250k last year it was a great amount of money. This year the fundraising is behind. Uh, and you know we all know it's the holidays. We all know it's uh, the economy is not great, but uh, we're really hoping to at least equal last year's goal and hopefully uh, exceed it. If you're listening to this live, if you're listening to the podcast, the event is the 19th. Uh, it's uh, a week from Sunday. However, the fundraising site will be open uh, at least through the end of February. So if you're catching this, please go to www.yakangler.com slash TBFS, Tango, Bravo, Foxtrot, Sierra, or Tampa Bay Frogman Swim, yakangler.com slash TBFS, and uh, Maybe consider making a donation to the event. Um, I know everybody who's listening here, uh, if they had the opportunity, would throw their kayak in the truck, drive down, and, and help out and support the event. Think about maybe giving some of the money that you would spend in gas plus breakfast plus you know whatever else you would do for the day. Toss a couple bucks in, uh, and every and every little bit of that uh, will certainly help those uh, those folks and families who who really need our support. Um, yakangler.com slash tbfs. I'll be out there uh, for the event. I'll actually be doing the kayak safety briefing beforehand and working with, uh, gotten to work with the event promoters uh, and organizers a little bit more this year. So really looking to make a good showing for the kayak supporters out there. So again, January 19th, we're good for kayak support on the water, but we could always use the financial support through fundraising for the event. So yakangler.com. Thanks to the guys, uh, Mark and Adam at Yak Angler for helping to set up the redirect Rather than uh, rather than going through the entire fundraising URL, just yakangler.com/tbfs to find out more about it. So, Chip, we appreciate the opportunity to promote it here. I know uh, Kurt Ott and Rory uh, O'Connor and the other guys uh, who organized the swim really appreciate the support. So, thank you very much for that. Not a problem. Like I said, it's a, it's a great opportunity to help out, and I think that. Uh, Folks are here. They get a chance to take a look at it. It's it's a really good good deal, and I think that you're out there supporting them. So nice job. So we'll keep putting it out, and we'll put it out even after the event, and say, hey, check it out. And of course, then we'll have some hopefully good news to say that you you know that Becca did a better job, that you were able to keep up with her, and all that good stuff, right? Yeah, I'm working out more now just to. Just to keep it, you know, I'll, I'll, if you don't mind, I'll very briefly tell the story. The first year, 
Uh, I was kind of a last-minute entry. Didn't uh, got got to the beach, hadn't been assigned a swimmer, and one of the race organizers came over and uh, looked at my kayak. And at the time, and uh, still, but not for long, was paddling a 16-foot uh, Kevlar fiberglass uh, current designs Altura, which I think is a pretty quick boat. Uh, it's light, it's fairly fast, and I, you know, couldn't quite get it up on plane, but it went pretty well. So one of the race organizers came over and said, uh, you know, do you have a pretty pretty fast kayak? I said, yeah, it does okay. He said, okay, well, you're going to need it. You know, I've, I've teamed you up with, uh, it said the person's name, and she's over there. Well, I walk over, and uh, I, uh, I, I meet Becca, who was at the time 14, and if you can picture a typical, you know, 14-year-old, um, no offense intended, skinny swimmer, little swimmer girl uh, that, you, that you'd see at the pool, on a swim team, that's who I met. Met her and her mom, and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, um, you know, this girl's going to swim 5K, 3.1 miles across Tampa Bay in this weather, in this water. And we chatted for a minute, and, uh, you know, you know got some of the things about the course and how she wanted to swim and everything else, and she told me she had some open water experience. She was very understated about the whole thing. So she went off to the swimmer's briefing, and the race organizer comes back over to me and says, uh, that's a good thing that's a fast boat. You're going to need it. You know, and then he told me the whole story about her being an Olympic, uh, an Olympic qualifier in the whole nine yards, and I just kind of swallowed hard and started stretching my shoulders, hoping I could keep up with her across the bay. So uh, a good time was had by all. Yeah, great, and a uh, good picture of you and her together there on the website. That's kind of nice. So, well, hopefully you'll have good weather and uh, not not. It was it got kind of rough out there last year, didn't it? You guys had some pretty good wind across the bay, and yeah, it did actually. We had uh, part of the challenge, depending on what day it's held on, is the tide. Uh, the tide flushing out of Upper Tampa Bay, coming from you know, basically comes from left to right on uh, on the long center stretch of the course, um, and the course goes through several different depths of water, from you know, fairly deep channel navigable channel water, right down to a shoal that um, last year actually some of the swimmers. Uh, depending on where they were in the heats, they couldn't swim across. They had to either dolphin kick across or get up and run a few steps to be able to get to the other side of the shoal, a little <laughs> sandbar out there. But last year, we had a pretty good tide running from the left and a, uh, a fairly stiff wind coming from, uh, you know, let's say if, if the tide was coming from 9 o'clock, the wind was coming from about 1.30. And it created a series of very uneven swells that were running 1.5 to 2 feet, pretty Consistently inconsistent, I should say. Uh, we did have a kayak spill. We had some folks get a little bit disoriented out in the swim, uh, you know, out in the water because of uh, losing sight of the markers and stuff like that. So it's not uh, it's not a swim in the pool, definitely. Whew. Yeah, I never I think I never cared for open water swimming. <laughs> My yeah, experiences in <laughs> in water training and all that kind of stuff. You, some braver people go out there and do that stuff. I'd rather uh, stay in my warm airplane and <laughs> take it back to the beach. <laughs> a lot to be said for that. Yeah, exactly. So, Well, that's cool, man. Like I said, we're hoping for good wind and good weather for you and uh, a great event. And uh, 
folks, if you're if you're looking for something to support, this is certainly a time to do it and a place to do it. Yakangler.com forward slash TBFS, Tampa Bay Frogman Swim. So check it out. And, uh, you know, even if you don't want to pin the money on uh, Becker's page there, pin it on something, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you may know somebody else that's involved, but at least go out and support the event. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Give you an opportunity to give back. TBFS, that's right, D. TBFS. I kind of did a little type in there to D in the in the middle and let her know, ma'am, my wife is really enjoying her new uh, Slayer Propel. And uh, folks, that's a that's a up and coming boat that uh, if you're if you're uh, in the market for a new boat and you're looking for something with pedals, that is a that's a that's a great boat. It has reverse. It's a game changer. Uh, great sitting position, great seat, the first class seat by Native Watercraft, and uh, I, I think the biggest thing that's just got me, and the, and the reason that I talk about it is because it, it has so changed. I mean, it was like the event when I went with uh, <laughs> uh, with when I when I changed Brad from you know just your standard forty nine ninety five paddle from uh, from the Sporting Goods big box store to a uh, decent mm-hmm. paddle and that was uh, lighter in weight, something that he could uh, swing better, the difference in, in his stroke and how he could maneuver this boat. And now with her, she's got the pedals. She's in a great sitting position. She's up above the water where she can see fish. She can. She's basically hands-free. She's not messing with a stakeout pole or a, um, a paddle. And she's just fishing, and uh, I mean, really, really a lot of fun for her. And I mean, that's that's kind of like my number one thing about fishing is it's not so much. And you know, I don't know. I don't post a lot of pictures of me with fish. I think I caught one really nice fish the first time I ever got to fish with D. And uh, but I just love seeing people fishing, and I love seeing people catch fish. I love taking people out on the water. And as as long as other people are having fun out there, I'm not really worried too much about catching fish, <laughs> you know. I mean, I thought it was really cool, uh, you know, that she's out there just casting away and making casts after cast after cast and working her way up and down the mangroves and stuff. It was just, it was just a lot of fun. I took pictures of her, watched her fish, so very cool. So, and she got the uh, gator bait. The uh, pink camouflage—it's kind of pink, gray, black. I still haven't posted that picture of you, Greg. I have to get that off. It's on my—it wasn't on my phone. It was on my actual camera, so I had to post that of you on the uh, Gator Bait boat. And you were like really—you know—you did not clash at all. You had your gray matching and uh, coordinating uh, fishing out attire. So that looked I well. definitely spent time picking out my uh, my motif for that day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um what else? Okay, so uh shifting gears now, um talking about baits, all right? And now I would be the first one to tell you that as uh as a fisherman and when I was uh fishing out of a power boat and when I was into going out and catching fish, I'm not one of the 
I have I've heard guys um, seems maybe more kayakers than motorboaters, but uh, kind of uh, talk about I only use artificials or I only use uh, certain baits that kind of thing. But I'll I'll use whatever bait there is, whatever I can catch fish on, I will use. So if it means throwing a chunk of mullet out there and soaking it or whatever, whatever it takes. If you're out there really to try to catch fish for people, you do what it takes. Um, but uh, I was thinking about the baits that I use, and I <laughs> it's what happens when the cold weather moves in. And, you know, you got nothing else to do except open up your crate and uh, start cleaning it out, you know, trying to get it ready for uh, better weather and a good time to go fishing. So, um, But I was looking through all the boxes and stuff, and it seems like here lately that I have kind of migrated, you know, from using baits that I got in, uh, you know, captain's bags from tournaments and stuff to where I actually purchased a few bags. But one of the things that I did, uh, and it was year before last, it's been two years now, but I went in April of uh, 2012, I fished the uh, DOA Paddlers event. And when I got that, I uh, I got, you know, you, you, you pay your entry fee, and they give you a box of DOA uh, lures, and that's all you're allowed to fish with. And can't use anything else. You can use your own fishing rod and that kind of thing, but you have to use their baits. And it was interesting because I got there a little early, you know, and got to sit um, with uh, – I'm terrible with names. But we we were shown how to rig some of the different baits, you know. And I don't know, folks, if, if you've not checked out DOA Lures, and I'm not a pro staffer or anything like that, but uh, it's there's a lot of different ways you can put those baits together. And I think you can probably pin a plastic bait in many different ways, but – I mean, the, the number one bait that I know of from DOA, and I know from a long-time uh, fan of saltwater fishing, the DOA bait is that, that shrimp. And I have found so many different ways to fish that shrimp and how to rig that thing. And uh, I don't know, I was just thinking that I had, had a thought this week as I was cleaning out my tackle boxes, you know, and all my little Plano uh, individual lure bat boxes and stuff, that if I if I would just because there's some tournaments, and Greg, you fished one recently, where you're just limited to a certain bait or a pair of baits or something like that. And I just said, uh, yeah, um, thanks. And I was just thinking, have you ever just kind of challenged yourself to try fishing with just one kind of bait or one brand of lure and just fish it until you're, you've got confidence in it? Because I know not only you, but... Chris Johnson there in the chat room, and D. Kaminsky. Uh, everybody has their confidence bait, right? And the bait that you that's your go-to, which yours, Greg, is what? Like a gold root beer, new penny, something like that, paddle tail? I, well, actually, I would say most of the time down here, the, the biggest bait I've had the most success with has been uh, the gold dart. The Exude Gold Dart, or the uh, you know the Slayer equivalent in the uh, the SSB and the Gold Flake, right? And, and that size bait. I try to downsize a little bit in the winter and darken it up a little bit, but that one seems to do well most of the time. Now, in all fairness, and here's 
you know, here's the challenge. You have confidence in what you fish with when it works. And when it works, you fish with it more, so you have more confidence in it because you have more, catch more fish because you fish with it more because you have confidence in it because it catches fish. Um, so you, know, you say that, that trying the different things, um, at several points in, in different aspects of my fishing career, I've, I've made it a point to specifically take something that I don't fish well or I don't think I fish well, or I don't think I catch fish on, or I don't, but a lot of other people do, and say, well, you know, it ain't rocket science, and fish don't have hands, so if I can get them to, <laughs> you know, show an interest in this, I, I've got to be doing something differently, and talk to people. Like the gold spoon, I have, you know, in in New York and in the Northeast, the only thing you fish spoons for were pike and pickerel. And... Uh, Some flashy you, gets her attention, exactly. they're aggressive. Get, they're very aggressive fish, so... Um, you know, but down here, a gold spoon is seems to be one of the classic go-to uh, lures for catching catching redfish down here. So, um, one of my it's a great time for the topic because I was just talking to someone about it today who fishes a gold spoon consistently, fishes it well. I was talking to him about some tips on, you know, how when where and why to be fishing that bait better. So that's one of my goals for this year uh, is to learn more about fishing spoons on the flats and how and where and what the, you know, what the, the good results are. And I think the more time, obviously, the more time you spend with a particular bait in the water, the more you'll learn about it, the more you'll learn what works, what doesn't, the little nuances of retrieves and things like that. Uh, you know, it's more than... As with any bait, it's more than flinging it out and reeling it in. Uh, there's a whole lot more to it than that. So um, I did a similar thing, although this was this was on a challenge. Um, when I was uh, fishing in New York, fly fishing for trout, um, I had I, I was a big fan and still am uh, a, uh, a, a fan of one particular type tie of, uh, of dry fly. Uh, and uh, it's called an Adams. It's a parachute Adams. It doesn't. Uh, this is a parachute tie. It's a little tiny dry fly. You can tie it in whatever size you want. And there's mm -hmm. a nymph equivalent for it. But um, it's a good mayfly and caddis imitation. And it doesn't really look like anything specific. But um, I got into a uh, an animated discussion one day with a, a purist about. You know, well, you, you know, you can't catch anything, on, uh, can't catch trout on anything but real good imitations that imitate specific flies and match in the hatch and anything else. You have to be an entomologist so that you can yes. create the perfect imitation, yes. right? And that's the thing. I had no interest in even learning how to spell entomologist, much less be one. So I said, Here, <laughs> so here's the deal. I said, so we we laid some cash on the table. I said, okay, here's the deal. I will not fish anything. I won't fish streamers. I won't fish any other imitations. I won't fish anything else for the entire season except parachute atoms in these sizes or an atoms nymph. And I bet you, I bet him I would outfish him. And I did. Significantly. I think part of that was my confidence in the fly and the confidence that... Um, but I also think that part of it, by limiting myself to that one bait, I fished it in places and at times and in ways where I wouldn't have fished it otherwise. And I think that made me think about presentations differently. I think it made me think about 
conditions differently or, you know, is, <laughs> I hate to say this with Dion here, but because oh, she signed out of the chat room, um, <laughs> with, you know, is size important? You know, no. is size versus pattern? Um, so it made me look at a lot more things than I normally would have, where if it wasn't, this wasn't working, I would just, you know, switch to something that matched the hatch and go move till I found something. Um, I'm trying to translate the same thing into saltwater fishing with the different artificials I'm using and say, okay, uh, instead of, you know, riffling through the tackle box, if this works consistently on this day and this, this weather conditions and water conditions and tide conditions and everything else, where else would it work? And if it's not working, what am I doing differently? What am I not doing? You know, thinking more about it than, like I said, just, uh, you know, shortening up your leader by four inches every time you retie a knot. So. Yeah, I mean, and that's, so D had to leave. Thanks, D, for showing up and appreciate you joining in the conversation at times. Um, but uh, the the time I caught, I mean, it was like a 34, 35-inch red. Uh, first time we got to fish with D, we were out on Mosquito Lagoon. Chuck, the clone, me, D, uh, Mark, Wheeler, and uh, um, Rob DeVore. So I think, and uh, there was one other, one of Chuck's buddies was there with us. So we all went out and we're like, you know, kind of spread out, beam each other, probably 10, 20 yards between each boat, you know, and we're, we're, it's foggy, you know, it's really kind of, really interesting morning and the clone had already caught two out of three fish for a slam he first cast he caught a redfish on the second cast or third cast he caught a trout i mean not even 100 meters from the from the launch site and uh so we're thinking well it could be a good day and uh as we cruise out you know we get into this one area where it got real shallow and uh we had kind of split off to one direction it was me d and the clone and I had just finished re-rigging. The clone had done something, and I had just finished rigging a, a paddle tail on for him. And uh, he's up there, a little bit closer to D. And they see we see these big pushes coming across the shallow. I mean, they were big fish because they were pushing water. And uh, so D starts yelling, "Cast, cast!" And I had just finished tying on uh, uh, like a a three-aught hook onto my line, and I'm looking around, you know, I've, I'm looking for a bait to stick on it. And then the bottom of my boat was kind of a, a half of a paddle tail. I mean, the thing was probably, you know, if it was a three-inch paddle tail to begin with, it was probably two inches long. And I just stuck that. I just put it on the, on the hook and tossed it out in front of those fish and let it sink. And when I thought the fish were over the top of my bait, I just gave it a little wiggle and caught the fish, you know. But, but yeah, so it's like, well, you know, if you, if you think you know what you're doing, if you've got confidence to put the bait out there, you get a good cast and stick it out there, you know, and get it in the right spot where the fish are, you know, you're probably going to catch fish. But I thought, and, and this is something that I, I, I go back and forth with my brother-in-law. He's, he's just getting into the kayak fishing. You met him, uh, when we were down at EG Simmons the first time and, uh, he he went off the beach, you know, 
troll up and down the second sandbar there, Gulf Shores, Gulf Beach, around Alabama, Panhandle of Florida. And, you know, if you're if you're pulling a spoon out there, you're going to pick up the Bonita and Spanish and stuff like that. It's It's pretty easy to do. And, I mean, it's something that, I mean, when we had the motorboat, that was something you want to take people out so they can tug on a line and catch some fish and stuff like that. That was fun to do. But I got to where I could never catch inshore fish, and I never caught inshore fish like I do when I'm in a kayak. So it started to become more of a challenge to me, you know, to go after redfish, to go after trout, to sight fish, and to look for that. Because I had gotten pretty good at doing it on reefs and, you know, trolling and stuff like that. It's just being there at the right time, right place kind of thing. But so challenging myself to go after and to work certain baits now. And for the most part, I think for about the last two years, and looking at what's in my tackle box and everything, it's lots of partial bags and paddle tails and stuff like that, pretty much in a uh, kind of a new penny color or a gold flake or they call it the the chicken color, you know, uh, and... Those kind of things, and I, I'm thinking, now yeah, you know, last time I fished with uh, with Jean McRoy, uh, Irish Jean, she was like hooked on the uh, the curly tail bait from DOA in a kind of a green pepper color, and uh, she she just fished the heck out of that thing and caught a lot of fish on it. So I've got a few of those, and I'm going to try a couple of other baits, but. I just just like with the spoon, you know, I could always catch things with a spoon offshore trolling it, but a little more aggressive fish out there, you know. And I had always, always heard guys who fish inshore about fishing a gold spoon and that that was the go-to bait for a redfish. And I tell you, I don't think I've ever caught a redfish on a gold spoon. And I've thrown them at it. I still haven't. It's not a redfish, though. Yeah. <laughs> I have and never I caught a redfish. Him, so uncle. I just got to figure out how. Got to figure out how to do it, you know. And I mean, it's like, what topwater bait do you go to? Mine, I'm, I've got a box full of spooks, and there's probably only two colors. <laughs> it's either white or white with a with a red or pink head on it. That's that's my topwater bait. But I figured out, I saw some ways to take some plastic baits and rig them so that they'll run on the top. There's a thing that uh, DOA makes called a chug head. And I had a handful of them from that tournament. And I had them in the bottom of the box. And I looked at these things and I'm like, how do you rig these? You know, and got on DOA's site, saw the rigging tips and stuff from Mark. And uh, it was like, oh, okay. So that turns a paddle tail into a topwater bait. It's got a little bit of air in it. And you rig it up and you can pull it and, um, interesting uh, story from the boondoggle at uh, Big Lagoon. We went out and spent about an hour, oh, probably not quite an hour and a half on the water with uh, Paul from uh, Unfair Lures. And if you've ever had the opportunity to sit with somebody like Mark Nichols or Paul, somebody who designed a bait and designed how they how it should be fished, it's pretty interesting because seeing some of the baits, you know, and he's got some baits that are, you know, they're topwater baits or suspending baits and stuff like that, and seeing how they say 
that it was meant to be fish. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. So, you know, it's kind of like um, I know people who don't fish a a spook because they can't make it walk the dog, which I don't know. But so they won't fish a spook because they don't think that you can pull it any other way and make a fish hit it. You know, so I don't know. But I, I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to fish a certain types of lures uh, this year and see. We'll, we'll keep a kind of a running update here on the show about how we're doing it. I'll take. <clears throat> we'll see who gets the first redfish on a gold spoon. So, Chris says that's the only that's the only hard baits he's got in the kayak right now. I, I guess you're talking about spooks. One of my favorite freshwater baits for topwater is a that pop R. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Chris says unfair lures. Okay, yeah, the pop R is one of my favorite freshwater baits. I mean, just makes that little spit of water as you chug it through the water and stuff. Got a rattle, a little bit of a you know the tinsel tail uh, hook on it. It's a nice bait. But yeah, the unfair baits from Paul. Spending the time on the water with him and watching him, that uh, that mullet bait that he's got. If you've ever seen mullet coming through the water, you know how they kind of push water, and that bait is meant to run that way. And he talks about how you know he he looks at it from the perspective of the of the predator fish and what that should look like, you know, and how it comes through the water and stuff. And it makes sense. And I mean, if you're a fly fisherman, like you mentioned with matching the hatch and stuff it's like why would you put why would you ever use a chartreuse bait yeah yeah i haven't seen many bright green (laughs) sometimes a needlefish will look like that for half a second but not that color and the only thing i've ever seen that was close to that color was a mahi or you know a dolphin fish and i mean and, and they quickly lose that color when they're uh when they're hot on baits or something like that, but they kind of have that chartreuse color to them when you first pull them out of the water. But um, I've never seen any kind of fish out there that just has a bright yellow tail. <laughs> so I think some of them, it's kind of like flavors and dog and cat food, you know, pet food. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my my dogs, if they get near a cat box, they'll eat the, chunks in the cat box and I've not seen dog food that, that advertises it tastes like cat litter you know so but uh that would probably go better than the beef or lamb or chicken I, I was watching a, a thing I digress now but I, I was watching a commercial the other night about how this new food for your pets and the first you know they say check your pet's food if the first ingredient is not chicken, it's not good for your pet. And I'm like, I've not, I'm not sure, but wild packs of wild dogs do they do they do they follow the migration of wild chickens and chase them down in the wild and stuff? Is that have you seen that before? Well, I think they they used to, and that's why oh. we don't <laughs> see many wild chickens anymore. They've, they've, you know, it's much the same way as the, the passenger pigeon. The, those packs of wild dogs uh, contribute almost to the extinction of the wild chicken, with the exception <laughs> of the prairie chicken, and you don't see many wild dogs there. 
So that's it's an true. interesting, uh, interesting ecological yeah. uh, standoff kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, everything in balance. <laughs> everything in balance. Yeah. But you're sorry you went there now, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm sorry because I, I want to keep it family friendly and stuff. So, but yeah. So so we're gonna we, we have a little running tally and see. Now you're probably going to catch uh, more redfish on a spoon than I am this year, but uh, we're going to give it a try. Certainly at the boondoggle coming up in 35 days and a wake up, uh, we'll have. Now, what kind of gold spoon are you using? I mean, are you using like a crocodile or a Johnson spoon or, I mean, uh, I have tried uh, Johnson spoons, but uh, recently I've I've looked at a couple different. Uh, you know, I haven't used in salt water uh, anything with the treble hook on the back. So, like you said, the crocodile spoons or some of those I haven't I haven't tried. Uh, but I've I really like the look and action of uh, the Aqua Dream uh, Uncle Mike's uh, uh, spoons. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the way they sit in the water. I like the way they cast. Uh, I know for a for a time he had some challenges with the bad batch of hooks. Uh, that a few of us down in this area experienced, but he made good on those right away to, you know, outstanding customer service, uh, that kind of an issue. Uh, and I know a lot of people are catching fish on those. So um, Now, this, I, the, the Aqua Dream, is that like a, is that a, the hook is kind of welded to the spoon itself? Is it all one piece? Uh, does it have a uh, swivel not, or a split ring no, on the front end? It does. It, the newer ones come with a split ring and a swivel on the front end. Uh, as a matter of fact, last year we just had a, uh, a tournament down here. You mentioned the R1 Lure or One Manufacturer tournaments. Uh, I unfortunately missed the Aqua Dream one on the South Shore in my home waters. Go figure. Uh, but uh, Mike sponsored one of those, and it's a blade spoon that actually has a hook. Uh, a I think it's about a three-aught J hook that uh, comes in through the after end of the spoon and then is the eye is screwed on to the bottom of the spoon so that the bend and the hook point protrude out through the back of the spoon and down. That same screw also holds a wire weed guard that uh, doesn't make the spoon 100% weedless, but it's pretty stiff and does a pretty good job of keeping it out of the, out of the lettuce and off the bottom, um, but doesn't seem to interfere with the hookup. At least that's the theory. Uh, I've caught, like I said, I've caught snook on the white one, um, and uh, uh, actually on a chartreuse spoon. Again, I haven't seen too many chartreuse bait fish, but apparently they're out there because they hit the, the chartreuse spoon. Uh-huh. But uh, I still haven't done much on the gold spoon. But that's the that's the Uncle Mike's style, um, okay. the ones that are there. All yes, right. and thank you, Chris. That is indeed the uh, the link, and he's got several different kinds out there. So, and uh, a couple different. Uh, couple different color variations including a couple of new bait fish ones that uh one's a i think a pinfish and he does another one i don't remember what it is but uh they're quite realistic looking and and do well so all right well we'll we'll keep a running tally on that and we'll see how it goes this year and see how many fish we can catch on spoons but like you say though a lot of it he's asking do you use a swivel I, I, I've actually started using, uh, because of the uh, need to be able to rig several different lines for different people in my party as I'm fishing, I've been using those tactical angler clips. And, Outstanding. Uh, yeah. Do you use a 50 or the 125-pound clip? I use the smallest one. 
Um, yeah. it, all of that is heavier than my line. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I, I use the smallest one that I think is going to impact the uh, the action that will lure the least. Yeah, I tried a couple of different types of, uh, of attachment devices there, and I find the tactical angler clip to be probably the easiest to use, especially if your fingers are a little cold or waterlogged for the day, you know, and um, it's a little bit easier to use. And for the clone and, and for the wife there, it's it's a lot easier for them to change over their baits if they want to change baits, change a hook or something like that. You know, they because um, I know my wife doesn't like carrying more than one rod on the, on the boat with her. And uh, uh, until the clone learns how to get knots and tangles out of fishing rods, he won't be allowed to carry more than two at a time, so. Um, but it, it's easier for them to rig, so that gives it. And you don't have to tie a, a loop knot, you know. And that's kind of a difficult knot for some people to master to get a loop knot, so that your your bait gets a full uh, agility there on the end of the line. So, but anyways, well, cool, man. It's been fun talking with you. And uh, like I said this. I just thought is is cleaning out my gear and getting ready for warmer weather and, and better times to come. 35 days in a wake-up. We'll be over Crooked River State Park at St. Mary's, Georgia. Uh, join us. There's still some campsites available and stuff. And uh, I think they have, like, uh, you know, uh, two vehicles, a camper, and a tent per site, about eight people on a wet, on a campsite. So come on over. There's nothing real organized. It's just we're putting a pin in a map and... Uh, show up we're all going to fish and uh, talk about fishing and probably have a couple of libations here and there so greg it's been a pleasure uh you say you're going fishing this week this weekend yeah, i hope to hope to get out and uh, i actually one of the things i was doing uh, while we were talking was uh looking at some of the the areas that uh, that you were talking about and how to get there from uh how to get there from here and i might uh, might actually change my plans this weekend and go uh and go west southwest instead of uh, instead of the other direction. Launch uh, maybe from Shell Point or somewhere down there, and uh, see what we can do. Yeah, I mean that that looked like a really cool cool spot down there, and a lot of a lot of different. It looked a little different than the mangroves that were over to the to the other side of uh, Simmons there. So, um, and I read some pretty interesting stuff on the website about the uh, site, and it's. It's a preservation site, and actually, uh, it took me a little reading before I actually saw that they implied that you could actually fish there because it's not a it's not a preserve where you're not allowed to fish, so you can fish in there. So, cool. All right, Chris is uh, getting ready to pull chocks. Have a great weekend, tight lines, buddy. We'll see you next time. Greg, thanks again for being my uh, radio interface officer there, and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm missing somebody here. I I wasn't even watching uh, the uh, who is this here, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, let me see. Let me check real quick and see who this is on the back. Yeah, we had somebody that called in the chip, and I both missed. So we'll uh, yeah, it's to come back. It, it, it's uh yeah it's uh it's Wheeler. Wheeler, what's going on, man? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, man? 
Uh, just getting back from a day of uh, fishing. Oh, that sucks. So, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, honestly, your, your audio is broken up. I can't understand you. Oh. Sorry. No, it, you, was, it was a did, great day. You fished or did you catch? Catched. Oh, catched nice. Catched a lot. Yeah. Nice. Um, my, my first tournament's coming up here in March, and um, I had the ability to get out with the boater and pre-fish it a little bit and and work out some of those muscles I haven't used in a while and and uh, spent the day throwing crankbaits and, you know, drop shots and everything we threw at them today, we, we put bass in the boat and uh, my final uh, five fish for the day uh, came in just around 26 pounds. So it was a very successful day. Nice. To say the least. Well, we were just we were just wrapping it up for the night, man. Yeah, I figured. I just walked the door, looked at the time, I was like, oh man, I missed the show. Nah, that's cool. So, uh, did you get a chance to listen in our new our new team member there, Jaron Bozel from uh, from Rock City, Texas? There, we got a new. Uh, I did. I did tune in, listen in for a little bit, and uh, he's he's going to be a great addition to the uh, kayak fishing radio uh, family. So. And uh, a lot of great kayak fishing to be had there in Texas. A lot of uh, places on my bucket list to go out and visit there. So, oh yeah. But, uh, well, bud, it's uh, it's good to touch base with you. Good to hear you're catching fish. And okay. uh, Mark is our uh, our Wednesday night host, of the uh, low sodium show. And uh, you guys tune in, listen to him. And uh, Monday nights we've got Chuck kicking off the week with the Redfish Chuck. Uh, hour there from uh, Titusville, Florida, and then our newest member, as I said, Jaron Mosel from uh, from East Texas, and uh, he's a he's a um, employee for Austin Kayak, so he's got a lot of great insight to products and uh, tips on uh, use it. He's an offshore kayak fisherman. I mean, he uh, at the Boondoggle, him and his buddy there headed offshore, caught a couple of kings, I think, and some bonita. But uh, they they they're into some some heavy paddling. So, and a uh, little bit west, where we shot over to California for a little while, and we haven't had anything out that way. So, I thought it might be interesting to invite somebody from Texas to to come in and talk to us and uh, give us the insight and fishing in another time zone. So, we look forward to All hearing right. more from Jaron. So, Chris, All right. you were just talking about the tactical angler clips. Yeah. Um, if you take your crankbaits and your rattle traps and all the, the split ringed um, baits that you might use, remove the split rings, get rid of them, and just put a, a attached angler angler clip right on the on your line and use that as your split ring. It saves a lot of time changing out baits, especially if you're trying to find the bite with a crankbait or top water or anything like that. You know, you instead of worrying about the, the split ring breaking or, or your line getting caught or breaking the line or whatever, it's right there. It's already done. You slide it in, you pop it in, you're done, and you keep on fishing. Increases yeah. your speed, and that's what I had tied on today because I went through square bow crankbaits and scat wraps and, you know, deep diving crankbaits, and you, you name it, I was throwing it today, and being able to take it, slip it off, slip another one on and cast saves me you know, a minute, minute and a half of of tying time, which, you know, that can mean two other fish, one big fish, 
you know, in a tournament scene, that's that's money. So if, if I and I know if I know one thing about fishing is that you've got to have bait in the water to catch a fish. Yes, you do. <laughs> Let me write that down. Yeah, do that. <laughs> write it down. Write it down. Laminate it. Punch a little hole in the corner. Tie a string to it and tie it to your vest because it's something that you need to carry with you all the time. <laughs> bait in the water. <laughs> That's what so many people get wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're they're like, I'm not catching any fish, and you look over and the the bait's hanging six inches from the end of their rod. It's like you got to put that in the water, man. And or, more or that you see them on Facebook all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. Good to hear from you, Mark. And, uh, yeah, buddy. Buddy, take care out there and stay warm because I know you're up there where it's it's warm or not warm right now. <laughs> and, Freezing. Uh, yeah, and we'll we'll hear you next time. So, all right, Definitely. Greg, thanks a lot, and we'll see everybody next week. And like I said, tune in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night there, Kayak Fishing Radio on four nights of the week for you, 8 o'clock Eastern, Except for Tuesday, which is in a different time zone, so you got to show up at 9 Eastern. It's 8 Central. So we'll check you out next time, Greg. Tight lines. I know you take your trip fishing. All right, buddy. Good night. Mean.